Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. So Jennifer, one of the things that makes the book of Exodus so interesting to me is the, the, I would say, contrast or display of what I will call God's plan from ages past, his sovereignty, his, um, you know, his divine story arc or whatever that I know that he knows. I mean, I know (laughs) that God knew that he was going to bring his people out of Egypt uh, from the beginning of time. At the same time, so we see that, and then we also see his incredible, what I'll call responsiveness. So he's above the story, but he also enters into the story. Uh, in fact, this next week, I mean, uh, I love the passage at, at, at the very end of chapter two, which I didn't get to last week, yesterday. Um, it's basically, you know, the people are crying out to God. They're, they're having great oppression. He's already sent the deliverer, but the deliverer's way out in Midian. And it just says God knew, God knew, God God knew their cry. He knew their cry. He was responding to their cry. And so, and you see this, I mean, obviously later Moses himself is appealing to God and asking for God to spare the people. So there's this like beautiful responsiveness, if I'll just keep using that word of God to his people. Yet at the same time, like I understand just because I understand the very nature of God um, that he is sovereign. He's over all things. He's set things into place. And so this is obviously a massive question in Christian thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, yeah. as, as you, as you see it in the book of Exodus, how, how are we, how are we to think about that? I, know, I think this is one of those things that makes your head hurt if you think too hard about it. And yet it also, lifts your head to start to realize what this reality for a believer really is and that you are in a relationship with that that God is transcendent. He's Elohim. He's all powerful. He's creator God. And yet he's gone to great lengths to reveal to us that he's Yahweh, that he's his character is that he saves and that he does, as you said, enter into the story. He did not stay above the story he he enters in and the way he's going to do it is through these incredible i again how i loved how you highlighted the individual people and people who are unseen and, and people women. who don't even really know what they're doing maybe but god is right they them. don't know yeah, what they're yeah. doing and yet the big player in the story pharaoh he's not even named and here in history, we still can't quite land on who he is. And I think that's by God's design. That's a like very he, interesting point. He isn't doesn't, it? we never know. Even later, we'll talk about Stephen talking about this thing. He even says just a king. And yet we know these women's names. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yes, God just keeps showing Pooh us over and over again. We know her. Right. We know who she is. But we keep seeing over and over again that this is God and his sovereignty. He's doing amazing things. And yet he's entering into individual lives. Because he's Yahweh, I uh, 
I think, um, you know, when I think about a lot of these things, um, I one of the stories that I love to think about is the preceding story. Yes. The story of Joseph. And God, you know, knew that he wanted to take uh, Israel to Egypt. In fact, um, Psalm 105, I think it is, says, you know, that Joseph was sent to Egypt to, to save the people. Right. right? And I, I think that is an amazing idea, okay? And that that is a great display of, I think, what we're talking about here. In, in Genesis yes. 50, 20, that famous verse, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. good. So there's real people making real decisions, um, meaningful decisions, decisions that have actual consequences. Right. Um, that they are willfully making. I mean, too, that's an important thing to distinct here. It's not yes. like people are just like, I don't know why I'm doing this, right? So right. I'm just operating under the sovereignty of God. I mean, they, they know that they're doing, they know why they're doing, there's reasons that they're doing it. Uh -huh. But God, throughout all of these things, is sovereign, and he knows basically what these decisions will bear. He knows what all these decisions will ultimately bring about. God sent Joseph to Egypt. We learned that from the scripture. Well, how did he do that? Right. Well, he gave Joseph a dream, I guess you could say, <laughs> you know, and Joseph yeah. has this dream and he sees his brothers bowing down to him and he yeah. knew that Joseph, you know, and we, people will say, well, Joseph was kind of snotty nose and arrogant and maybe he was, I don't know, who knows? I mean, right. I mean but he was it, human. I'm sure he was He, was, like he lacked, yeah. he lacked some shrewdness. Right, you know? right. At, at best, he yeah, lacked. How he didn't see that coming, we have no yeah, idea. Yeah, he right. lacked a little tact and he right. tells his brothers, you're going to bow down to me someday. They, of course, get furious at this. He's already a favorite child. He already gets the, you know, and the coat of many colors, you know, I think that's a little bit of a, it was a grand coat. So we don't exactly, you know, it could have been a, could have had, you know, jewels sewn onto it. Right. it, could, it we don't exactly know. Like, right. it, it may not be like a tie-dye coat. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> but anyway, he has the coat. The brothers are jealous. He tells them they're going to bow down. So they decide to kill him. But then, of course, they don't kill him. They decide to sell him into slavery, and so, and then, of course, he gets into slavery. and And God know God knew what would happen and how different people would respond in every single circumstance. Yes. He knew that Potiphar's wife would come on to Joseph. He knew that Joseph would resist. He knew that he would go to prison. He knew there would be a time of delay in prison. And, and ultimately, of course, at the very perfect time when famine's about to hit, uh, God gives Pharaoh a dream. And of course, you know, because of that, you know, Joseph is able to interpret his dream and, and it is made this Lord, which saves the people of Israel. Now, I kind of talked about this a little yesterday. All of those decisions, Pharaoh's decisions, Joseph's decisions, the brothers' decisions, Jacob's decisions, they were all meaningful decisions that people were making. And in all of that, because of God's incredibly, you know, meticulous mind, and I even hate to use that word to describe the mind of God, but I, I will, you know, meticulous mind, understanding every detail, understanding every human inclination. Uh, he was able to, you know, know what would happen in all of those circumstances, which is incredibly an amazing thing to believe. And, and I think the same thing is happening here. Right. In the Moses story. And it should be so encouraging to us, even though I find that a lot of times when we have these conversations, it almost feels unsettling to people that God is sovereign, that he already knows. And um, and yet, you know, he's involved in our lives. But how but and actually what you just described is incredibly freeing because, you know, that for people of faith who are just 
who are trusting God and entered into this relationship that all things work together for good for those who love him. So like, yes, it's important to, to, um, you know, serve him and that we are next step, you know, do the next right thing and figure out how to honor God with our actions. And we see that in people of faith. And yet we also see them doing terrible things. And we'll see that in Moses and the Lord still uses it to further his plan. So that should only um, increase our, our trust in him. And that was something we talked about yesterday. The Lord is always at work. Um, the Lord is always at work. Yeah. Uh, and, and through these well-meaning decisions, um, that people are making some good. And again, we, we should desire to do the, you know, that that's no license to sin. It's not like, well, (laughs) God's going to work anyway. So I'm just going to go do this. Um, no, but these well-meaning decisions that people are having, these these well these these purposeful decisions that people are making, God is at work, whether they're good or they're bad. Now, one of the verses that we looked at yesterday, and I said we we're not going to spend any time on this, and but I think we should, and I think we should talk about it right now. Okay, is Hebrews eleven twenty four? It's a very interesting verse. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So you have to have this passage, and then we were also just talking about Acts chapter 7, mm-hmm. Stephen's mm-hmm. sermon. Um, and he gives a little more, he sheds a little more light on this also. You want to you talk about that yeah. passage? Yeah, um, Acts 7 um, this is actually right before Stephen is stoned. He gives us an incredible... So it's um, like one of the great ser- sermons rec- of the Bible. Exactly, recounting um, the wonderful works of God, which is him worshiping, basically, and declaring, testifying before these people. But he um, he talks about the whole history. He starts about, you know, he mentions Joseph and, and the family. And then he gets down to verse 17, and he talks about as the time of the promise drew near that God had granted to Abraham. So again, he's talking about Egypt, Joseph. And then he says, at this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, father's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. It really brings into focus what Moses was, um, the ways that God was exposed to him in this truly terrible, again, thinking about the individual lives and what this actually meant for his mother and the things that his people had to experience with these, the terrible murder of these babies. And yet God preserved Moses for the specific thing and he brought him into this house so that he would be prepared as a leader in the ways of Egypt. But he had to come to a point where he broke that's from right. that. Which that's what's fascinating to me. We don't exactly, the Bible never tells us what happened. Right. You know, but we do know when he was 40, something happened. Yeah. It's, it says in the next verse, it came to his heart, this is again, Acts 7, to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Um, It's very interesting. So we don't know what happened there. Yeah. Even but, though I read this thing recently, uh, Philip Reichen's uh, commentary on Exodus, and he talked about, historically that they have some kind of records of the um the egyptians educating princes from all over and that one of the main things that the egyptians definitely had a lot of contempt for slaves um and they were seen as you know not like uh 
non-human almost. And, and so that they, for sure, he would have been educated in that way to look down on manual labor and to esteem these kinds of pursuits of the mind and, um, you know, all of this wealth that they had and privilege. And so just the fact that he changed, that he would identify with slaves. I mean, yeah. What's going on? What happened? and, And even according to Acts 7, it's like he's trying to start the uproar. It says, seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man, avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his own hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, they appeared to him, and of course they reject him, as we talked about yesterday. Um, at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Right. Very interesting. And again, I I think that I can even miss this. Like the the Acts 7 sheds an amazing sense of light on this. Um, I mean, we we knew that Moses was doing something, but it's almost like it's as he supposed there that his brothers would join him. It's almost like he's starting an uproar. He sees himself as a as a leader. He want that he wants to do something to save his people. I think it's interesting that he went out to his people. And there is like this, um, it's like he's come to a moment where he realizes he has to forsake the Egyptians like emotionally, uh, intellectually before he forsakes them physically. Like he, he looked yeah, on the burdens. Yeah. He has this idea of compassion. He sees the Egyptian beating the Hebrew. Um, he looked this way and that, and then he struck him down and it, you just can't help but see him looking at his own, um, like he's just looking to himself on how can I right, accomplish right. what I know God wants for his people. But he's he certainly takes not acting on, like fearlessly. He doesn't like no. take the head of the Egyptian and hold yeah. it in front of Pharaoh's yeah, face yeah. and say, you wicked Pharaoh, <laughs> our people will overtake you. Know, right. will overtake you. He doesn't right. do that. There, no. He like very skittishly like digs a hole in the ground as quickly as he can and buries this Egyptian in the hand, hoping exactly. that no one will ever see. And so it's, it, it is interesting, and I talked about this only at the five o'clock service yesterday, but how Moses grows in faith. I mean, he, he acts out of his own will here. Mm-hmm. It does not go well. Mm-mm. His people actually end up rejecting him. Later on, of course, he's totally submitted to the Lord. The Lord is moving through him in these amazing ways. And, of course, you know, God moves. I mean, the, the whole nation is moved. The people right. are set free. The, the people do follow. Um, it's Yeah, it's very interesting uh, just how you know what what is going on here yeah you know another interesting question do you have anything else to say about that or well i I was just gonna say that again it just the fact that he takes things into his own hands and acts in these way and there's all these indications that this isn't the way that it does look like salvation by works like he's trying to save the people by works as opposed to grace god's like absolutely not sends him out and yet prepares him for the actual way which is surprising and it just again how like the world's way to lead a people out is the Egyptian way. Mm-hmm. You and mm-hmm. you you educate them, you give them everything, you give them power, um, you exercise that power, uh, and yet God isn't going to let that happen because He is going to get all of the glory for the salvation of His people. Yeah, He need and and so in order to understand that Moses needed Midian, mm. and I do think that that's a very powerful point of the story that. I think we all should take to heart. You kind of need Midian. Mm -hmm. Uh, You kind of need that place and that time where you're formed, where you're humbled, where things are difficult. Um, I think those are the people that God ultimately uses in big, big ways. Uh, There's this uh, 
famous A.W. Tozer quote that, you know, God rarely uses people greatly until he hurts them deeply. Mm. And uh, I do think that there's some truth to that. I mean, it's it's in those pains. It's in our loneliness. It's, it's when we feel like we've totally blown it that the Lord gives us enormous humility, enormous dependence on him. Uh, and he ultimately leads us away from himself. Uh, you know, just, I mean, uh, Moses had some of this mm-hmm. um, because again, he's identifying with his people. There's, there's some like sense of I'm living for a higher purpose here. Right? He right. feared the reproach of Christ. There's right. something in him that he's recognizing that God is in these people, that the, 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 the spirit of God, the power of God, the love of God is for these people and not these people. So there's something right. that recognizes that, but he needed Midian to be ready to actually deliver them. That's so good. The, um, yesterday we had an anxiety workshop for women in basically working through Philippians 4, and there's so much in that and that we just want to eliminate pain. We want to be free of all anxieties. And there's a lot to you know dig down in what we're thinking and believing and desiring that that lead to that. But there is such beauty in wrestling with God and, mm-hmm. and practicing like something like Philippians four, where you turn to Him in prayer and thanksgiving, where you're recounting these wonderful works, and it is the way. And then preaching the truth, the things you know to be true, it is the way He leads you out of Midian, out right. of the wilderness, and to continue to delight in Him and love Him. In the midst of that, I mean, I do think Christians are really bad at being sorrowful and rejoicing. Right. I think that we don't understand that. I think that we think if you really have faith, if you really love God, you just rejoice all the time (laughs) because God is good because he's won us a great victory. And so I do think that we struggle to to deal with our real uh, pains and hurts and sorrows. Um, and, And I think that can lead us to um, anxiety producing behavior, mm-hmm. you know, it can lead right. us to the kind of behavior that ultimately just adds Produces to, more. yeah, our yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, and, and, and it might not even start with anxiety. It might start with just hurt or pain or loss or suffering, but then we can do the kind of things that take the little ounce of fear that that initial experience gives you and makes it grow or the little, little ounce of shame and makes it grow or the right. little ounce of doubt and makes it grow, and then all of a sudden you've got a really big problem that, yeah. that's hard to get out of sometimes. It is, and yet you come back to stories like this and this kind of preaching that we're gonna um, keep engaging in to just remind us that this is about us seeing that God is above the story and in the story, yes, that this is about God and that he is um, mighty to save and that he's worked all of this redemption throughout thousands of his years of history. And I'm just amazed. I think about like, how did this come to me? How did this truth, this right. Exodus come all the way down through history to you and me? In well, this that's what moment? I was trying to say. I mean, what is God doing in Moses through this little baby? He's delivering a people. And actually it's the same work that God is doing right now through this little baby. God is delivering a people. And our story of delivery, we're still in our story of delivery. We're being delivered right now yeah. by Christ. Right. Um, we, we, we know that, you know, in a sense, you know, people say, well, where are we in the story? Well, in a sense, we've crossed the Red Sea and we're in the, <laughs> but we're not in the promised land yet, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we know that we're with God. God's proven himself to us. We know that his salvation is real. We have kind uh-huh. of confidence in that. But, we're, you know, we're still in the wilderness and... Right. When you're in the wilderness, uh, it's hard. When you're in the wilderness, it's easy to doubt. When you're in the wilderness, you can be fearful. 
when you're in the wilderness, as we you know we see later, you you may want to go back to Egypt and say, well, it was easier there. Um, and so I think that that yeah, Christ is actually doing the same thing right now that we are going to read about Moses doing then he's he's ma- he's calling a people to himself he's saving a people um and you may be at the beginning of that journey you may be in the mm-hmm. middle of that journey you may be toward the end of that journey um but that's what Christ is doing he's saving a people he's refining them he's building character in them he's readying them to live for eternity in the presence of God yes and it's why he reminds us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen it makes sense that everything you're saying, of course, it's nothing that we perceive with our flesh or our eyes is going to affirm that right. truth. The truth is in this word. It's in Christ. And that's why it's a walk of faith. You, you can believe can it without it. understanding it. Yes. Know? Yes. You can know that it's true without seeing how it's true, you know, and that I think is the evidence of faith. That is faith. Well, great conversation, Jennifer. Uh, I'm excited about a lot more conversations about the book of Exodus. But for today, for Jennifer McClish, I'm Jason Dees. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text to pastor line at 404 465 1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.